Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Aaron joining us on the West Coast. I'm ensconced, not in velvet, but in the uh, Baseball America podcast nook. So thanks for joining us, whether you download us at BaseballAmerica.com or on iTunes, or if you just follow the link on Twitter. Uh, Aaron, I hope you're follow- I hope if you listen to college baseball, I hope you're already, fo- already following Aaron on Twitter. Uh, he's over 3,000 strong. Aaron, I got the 2,600, and then I went back down to 2,599. Some Klingon son of a gun uh, dropped me. Too many, <laughs> too many uh, UNC basketball tweets, John. I think that's the answer. I think that might be the answer. I'm, I'm over. I'm up at 2,601 now, so I'm, I'm excited about the, being at 2,600. But you know, if you follow Aaron on Twitter, um, you're getting the best draft information out there because to me uh Aaron when you're at a game uh you just have such awesome info at the game and uh you're so good at uh keeping track of pitchers or hitters and what those guys are doing uh, I enjoy following your twi- uh the, the tweets uh that that's the, the best thing for me about Twitter I guess we only wish that we could have uh, had the foresight to have sent you to Gainesville not Gainesville to to Baton Rouge this weekend for a little Florida LSU but uh We'll start off on the podcast with it, talking about the last weekend, two big series in the context of their conferences. And we had Florida at LSU and Virginia at home against Florida State from the ACC. Let's start off in the Southeastern Conference, Aaron. And uh, LSU feeling very good about itself, as it should have, sweeping Florida State, uh, Cal State Florida in the previous weekend. But then the Tigers get a little humbled this weekend as Florida comes in there. And we've talked a lot about the Gators already this year, but 18-2, and two, Preaches in number one, nary a stumble. And I think, Aaron, the biggest story this uh, so far is just how good Florida's pitching has been. Um, and, and they go in there and really shut down uh, a high-powered LSU offense, seven runs in three games. Uh, how Just how good is Florida's pitching? Is this the best pitching staff in the country? I think it's the deepest pitching staff in the country. And, and you know, whether it's the best or not, uh, you can certainly make that case. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that their front-line guys are better than Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, for instance. Uh, but they're pretty darn good. You know, I mean, Brian Johnson and Carson Whitson have been just terrific all season long. Their bullpen is just such a separator, though. I mean, you, you know, it's like you get Carson Whitson out of the game fairly early on Sunday. Congratulations. What do you win? I mean, you, you get to face the bullpen. It, it's not a reward. There's there's no reward for getting to the starters because the bullpen guys are just as good with Nick Mirande and Greg Larson and Anthony DiSclefani and now Austin Maddox and on and on and on. Uh, you know Paco Rodriguez. I mean, it just there's just no let up there. It's uh, such a huge advantage. I mean, you know, I, I think we've talked before about how pivotal South Carolina's bullpen was in that national title run last year. I think that's the single biggest reason South Carolina uh, was so good and, and that they won the title is because their bullpen was just rock solid. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I think that that showed up this weekend. And certainly, they got good starting pitching, but they also got very good bullpen work. Um, and, you know, their offense uh, did enough. And, and, you know, let's give LSU's pitching staff some credit. I think it's a much better staff than um, we, we were, you know, we weren't sure that it was going to be a good staff. We didn't think it was going to be a bad staff necessarily, but we just didn't know what to expect from LSU's staff. And, and I think it is a good staff, you know, so give Florida some credit for, for scoring some runs off those guys. 
yeah, I think it's pretty impressive that uh, – I think I just think it's impressive that the Gators – and I think they, they got LSU's best shot. They got, you know, LSU you – to, I think if – we talked about it last week, how, how much better LSU's starting pitching has been this year, maybe than people expected it to be. Uh, obviously, we had pretty high expectations uh, for Kevin Gossman. But, I mean, we talked about it last week. I mean, Kurt, McLe- Kurt McCune has kind of come out of nowhere and been a Friday guy. And he was – I mean, he went toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country and, and held his own. Um, I just think it's so impressive that Florida uh, was able to go in there with big crowds, crowds that had energy, crowds that gave LSU energy, and, and able to sweep the series. Um, what do we learn about LSU maybe out of this series, Aaron? I mean, uh, you know, they've had kind of not a soft – I should say cream puff, but it wasn't – it hadn't played really a big-time ranked team. I hadn't played a ranked team until last weekend. They play Fullerton and sweep Fullerton. And they play Florida and get swept. I mean, what's your take on – Kind of what's your Tigers' takeaway after these two weekends at the extremes? Well, you know, I mean, I still think that they're probably the class of, of the SEC West. Um, you know, I think that, that opinion was kind of reinforced last weekend. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they played well this weekend. It was games, the first two in particular against Florida were very close and competitive games. You know, both one-run affairs they could have won. Um, you know, they thought they had tied up that, that game Friday. Uh, on the uh, the Ty Ross double, <laughs> some thought was a home run, I guess. Um, you know, so they they were right in that game, and you know, you lose a one one nothing game on on Saturday. You know, Kevin Gossman can't pitch a whole lot better than that for eight innings. Uh, LSU showed that they're they're not not far behind Florida. You know, they they are at home. You'd like to see them win one of those games at home, uh, but uh, it's a good club, and and I think they're going to be a, a major factor here in the SEC. Do we uh, do we have any more concern uh, as we did kind of started to have uh, last year? You know, Matty Ott had a pretty disastrous sophomore season. Um, you know, he blew the lead on Friday. It's not like he got destroyed or anything like that. But uh, any concern for you about about Matty Ott and that closer role? And it, does does LSU have an alternative if Matty Ott continue you know struggles in, in SEC play as he did last year? I think the alternative is probably Ryan Eads. You know, who's still just a freshman and still just learning. Um, he's not a finished product, but he's, he's got a great arm, you know, and, and, uh, he's healthy now. That was the kind of the question mark about him coming in was how healthy was he going to be as, as a freshman, but, um, he's throwing the ball very well and he's just refining a few things. So I think he's kind of a little security blanket maybe down the road. Uh, but for now, certainly, you know, Ott's still the guy. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, the Tigers are, are pleased with the turnaround that, that, Natty has made since last year, and I think Friday was kind of a hiccup. I think in general he's pitched well this year, and um, you know, and, they, and they've seen uh, they've seen progress from him. So um, I don't think they're too worried about Natty yet. Well, uh, we, we mentioned that you know we still think LSU is the class of the SEC West. Uh, SEC conference play started this weekend, and uh, you know LSU obviously you get swept. You're at the bottom of those rankings, uh, not rankings. You're at the bottom of those standings um, when you go 0 and three. Let's talk about the rest of the SEC West here for a minute, Aaron, because you know, we did not have and we haven't had any other SEC West teams ranked. I don't believe – did we rank Ole Miss one week this week, this year, or no? No, we did not. We, uh, okay. we, we talked about them, I think, last week, or at some point we talked about them. But, no, they have not been ranked. Uh, you know, and, I, and I thought probably uh, that they were better than Alabama, for instance, coming into this weekend, and, and they proceeded to lose a series to Alabama. So um, Ole Miss clearly still has some work to do. Um, Alabama's played fairly fairly well, not great on, over the course of the season, but you know, I mean, I think clearly those two teams are to me right next to each other, and um, you know, it, it's 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 uh, 
it's it's very interesting that division because you know I, I think Auburn and Arkansas are kind of neck and neck. Also, they played a pretty good series this weekend. Uh, Auburn won that series at home, but you know they were at home. I mean, how much can we draw from that? Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a good question. So I mean, I, I think right now Auburn is, is the number two team. We moved them into the rankings at number twenty-two. Um, Arkansas not too far behind. Yeah, I think you know, Auburn's interesting, Aaron, because uh, you know last year they were a very power-centric team. I believe they led the nation in home runs, more than 100 home runs last year. Um, lost a lot of those guys at the draft, um, and really struggled, uh, you know, on the mound uh, to really just find a, a shutdown number one pitcher. They really never kind of had one. They had a couple guys go through that role, and I had the veteran Corey Lucky who's back, uh, you know. But then they they're really thriving this weekend with a couple of uh, JUCO transfers. Will Irvin and Derek Vernador, uh, you know, going into the weekend rotation, uh, they're combined six and zero. Uh, those two guys, Vernador is a guy who uh, I know quite a quite a bit about. He came into last year with a decent, uh, really nice reputation, and wasn't thought of as more of a pro guy, but he's got a little bit of a distinctive delivery. And uh, you know, I know the scouts I talked to really thought he'd be a good college pitcher, and he's off to a great start there uh, for the Tigers. Uh, what's been the key in your mind for them? It seems like they found some some of these new pitchers, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. And they're finding new ways to, to score without having to rely too hard on the home run. Yeah, and they've still gotten the occasional home run. Uh, I think Kevin Patterson had a big one this weekend for them, and he's you know he's kind of their big power anchor in the middle of that lineup. Um, he had a lot of home runs last year and, and only limited playing time. But uh, you know, for me, the thing about this Auburn team is even though they lost a bunch of key veteran guys last year, they've got a bunch of veteran players back. They're just, you know, players that were kind of waiting in the wings. They're, they're a little bit like Virginia in that way. You know, they have – Virginia's got these seniors like Kenny Swab and David Coleman and, you know, these guys that have stepped forward from part-time roles into everyday roles, and Auburn is similar to that. You know, they've got the, you know, the Wes Gilmers and the Dan Gamashes and the, right. you know, those, those guys, Justin Hargis, all these guys, Creed Simpson, they've all, you know, they've all been there. They've all been winning players, and they're just taking on more of a role now. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it's nice to have older players in your program carrying the load. I mean, this, this really is a veteran team still. Yeah, and I think it uh, has to be underscored. Uh, the track record of John Pulaski teams, even though he was a big league pitcher, <laughs> uh, I always think this is kind of funny, his teams score runs. You know, he's, you can put him on a lot of different coaches' coaching trees, like, you know, Jack Leggett, he coached with him and Pat Murphy. He's like he, he has a little bit more of Murph in him than he has of Jack Leggett because his teams figure out ways to score runs, just like Arizona State's teams always did. And, uh, uh, you know, it's impressive even with the, you know, even with all those guys uh, that they lost, they, they're still uh, pretty loud offensively. Meanwhile, Arkansas, um, you know, usually we don't talk about other rankings, Aaron, but Arkansas, I think we kind of have to. Uh, they were in uh, everybody else's rankings, even in the top ten in one ranking. Might have been the coaches' poll uh, where they're in the top ten. Uh, we had not ranked the Razorbacks as of yet, and they'd really played a pretty light schedule, and their team like Auburn that lost an awful lot from last year's team. And you talked to Dave Van Horn last week when they were out on the West Coast. You went to go see him play. You talked to him, and you wrote about him, I believe, in Three Strikes, where he was talking about you know, establishing a new identity for their team and new guys you know, being the leaders. Um, you know, what's your takeaway from them this weekend, uh, losing that series at Auburn? And kind of, you know, are, do they have a chance? I mean, it seems like they have a shot to be that number two team uh, in the SEC West after LSU. I think they do. Um, but, you know, one thing that I think is a major concern is this weekend, they, or this, this past week, I should say, they lost Jeffrey Davenport to Tommy John surgery, um, and he was really a key guy. You know, he was their veteran, um, kind of long-relief stopper kind of guy, you know, sort of like what, go back to another Virginia 
comparison here, kind of like what Tyler Wilson was for Virginia last year. Uh, you know, I, I saw saw Devonport out in the West Coast, and you know, it's a really good breaking ball. I mean, he was he was a key piece for them. You know, so I think that that's a big loss. Um, they've got they do still have pieces in the bullpen. I mean, you know, Owen Sandburn, the freshman, I really like at the back. We've talked about him before, um, but you know, this week. Again, their, their starters didn't really go deep, um, and that's a concern. You know, they they need more from their starting pitchers, especially now without Devonport, who is kind of that that uh, security blanket. Um, none of their starters went went five innings this weekend. I think two of them went less than four innings. Uh, that's not going to cut it in the SEC, you know. And they need Cade Lynch to step forward, um, you know, and, and they need uh, uh, Brandon Moore to step forward. I mean, those two guys, if they're going to be the starters. They just have to pitch better. So right now, to me, that's still a major question for Arkansas. As much as I like their lineup, their young talent, I mean, I, you know, I think they're going to hit. I think they're going to score a lot of runs. I think they're very athletic. Uh, they're probably going to be good defensively. How good are they going to be in the mound? I think that part is still in question. I think that's all, uh, those are, that's all how I think about Arkansas. You know, Ryan Stanek, a guy we love from a pro standpoint, from a draft standpoint, you know, pitch a middle relief and not, not throwing strikes. When you go into SEC play and you, and you walk guys, uh, your coach is not going to put you back out there until you throw strikes. It's just just the way it goes. Uh, meanwhile, the, the East, I think we both agree, not only is it really good at the top, uh, obviously with three of the top four teams in our rankings are still SEC East teams. Aaron, does, does Georgia, Kentucky, or Tennessee have a shot at a regional bid? Tennessee obviously got off to a, a great start, but then lost the weekend series to uh, at Kentucky this weekend. Uh, any of those teams got a shot at, uh, at a regional bid in your mind? I, all three teams have a shot at a regional bid? Who, who do you like best out of those other three teams? Yeah, I could see any any of the three making a run, um, certainly not all three, but I think any of the three is capable of making a run. Um, you know, I mean, and, and take your pick. I mean, coming into the year, I thought those teams were all fairly close together. We had Georgia as the top of those three teams coming in um, based on talent and, you know, just <laughs> thinking that maybe this is the year some of those guys put it together. Um, and, and Georgia has played the toughest schedule of that group, um, you know, but uh, they, they haven't quite been consistent. I mean, that's for sure. You thought they they had pulled out of it, and then you know the schedule was hard. They went to South Carolina. They they played it. They played South Carolina well. They won the first game. They probably should have won the second game. They blew a late lead. Um, right. But uh, uh, you know, I still I still feel like Georgia. Um, that might be the team. I mean, that might be the one out of that group that uh, that I could see making a run later in the year. We'll see how they handle SEC play. But um, you know, uh, Kentucky I think is, is good on the mound. I mean, they're 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 a factor certainly. Um, Tennessee, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's make Tennessee yet. They really haven't played anybody in the pre-conference at all, um, and and they, uh, you know, they didn't play great this this weekend. Um, again, how's their pitching going to hold up? And I like Stephen Groover as their Friday guy. Um, he's, he's a good competitive college guy. Throws strikes, good breaking ball. Um, but uh, you know, Drew Steckenrider, they threw Saturday. He's got a great arm, but he's really not proven as an SEC starter. So. Um, there's there's some questions for for Tennessee to answer. Steckenrider, one of my all-time favorite names. Uh, they do have one of the guys who's probably putting up. Uh, you know, y- y- you take a little bit of the sting out of the bats and you make it more of a speed contact game. And Cayenne Norfolk, their second baseman, just having an insane season. I mean, again, you have to wonder about caliber of play. Uh, but Cayenne Norfolk's hitting 500 after you know 20 games, and he's uh, got a 6.15 on base, and he's stealing a ton of bases. I got an email about him last night. And was looking him back up again, and uh, I had a couple emails about him. But that guy's having just a dynamic, dynamic year. You know, five foot ten, 
uh, second baseman. Those guys, uh, you know, he, he's a senior. He's having a, a great senior season. It would be, I, I think that, you know, it would be important to Tennessee with what, what has gone on in their football program the last couple of years, with what's going on in their basketball program now. It would be important, I think, for Tennessee fans to have a team to rally around. And uh, I think if Tennessee's baseball team got going, and Todd Raleigh's been there for, I think it's his fourth year now, Aaron, and they, I don't think they've had re- they've gone to regionals yet. It would be good for Todd Raleigh for them to get going. So that's that to me, it might be the most interesting of those other three clubs, uh, just to watch because they do have some young talent. Um, but wow, they really are. Uh, <laughs> they're they're interesting. But like you said, they had not played really anybody uh, uh, in terms of caliber play. Now caliber play, you want someone who has played somebody. Well, let's take Florida State. Let's let's talk about the Seminoles. And Aaron, I don't think I can remember a better one in three week. Uh, you don't want to go one in three. But the Seminoles on the road at Florida lost in ten innings. They played four games against top ten teams at Florida and at Virginia all on the road, obviously. Uh, lose three of them, and uh, you know all four games decided by one run. Um, I mean the Seminoles. I mean that's just a pretty impressive series. We've already talked about Virginia a little bit, <laughs> so let's talk about them again. Uh, you keep bringing them up, uh, but with reason. Uh, Nineteen and two outside of Florida and Vanderbilt. I think Virginia's had the most impressive season and most impressive maybe resume of any team this year. Yeah, you're right. I mean, to go on the road and sweep Clemson last weekend and then follow it up um, with a great series win against Florida State. And, and what a what an intense series it looked like that was. You know, those two teams just uh, um, went back and forth, trading blows and uh, three straight extra inning games. I think those teams are very evenly matched. And, uh, you know, you play that series in Tallahassee, maybe you've got three straight extra inning games with Florida State winning two of them. Um, you know, I think those are the two best teams in the ACC, and uh, you know it's it's hard to tell really who's better. I mean, I guess you say Virginia's a little bit better. They did win the series, but boy, it's close. You know, and 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 I think um, Virginia's pitching, the front line pitching, I think we both agree we like better. Um, right. And 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 Virginia, I mean, Stephen Prosha and John Hicks in the middle of the lineup. Um, so you know, the Aaron Aaron Fit bat phone is ringing. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's, that's okay. Um, but no, I, I, well, I, I think people understand that you uh, you work and you do a lot, <laughs> you're working at home and uh, coaches are calling you. But I mean, uh, uh, Virginia. Uh, the other thing I guess about this, Aaron, is that Virginia, you know, and Florida State, um, you know, both have gotten their Friday guys. I mean, uh, Sean Gil Martin has been has been good. He was great as a freshman. He was okay as a sophomore. Uh, but it's like the, the Gil Martin Holton matchup was everything we expected it to be. Um, we actually have a question on Twitter. From PSL to Flushing, who's a big draft fan, is Danny Holson propelling himself into top ten status? I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, yes, isn't he? I mean, uh, Danny Holson, he's the best left-hander in the draft for me after Matt Perk. And if you wanted to say you take Danny Holson over Matt Perk, I would listen. Uh, would you yeah. listen, Aaron? Would you listen to that argument, or could you make that argument? Absolutely. You know, and, and I think there's some clubs out there that probably do like him over Matt Perk because he's just such a safe bet, and there's more risk with Perk. Um, Holton's a big leaguer, you know. If, I mean, I, I think I might have said last week. I think he's he's Mike Miner. That's the kind of guy I think he is. Uh, and boy, he's been dominant too. You know, it's he's really made a, made a jump. And if you look back at Friday's weekend preview, I had some quotes from Brian O'Connor about about Holton and what's been different about him this year. Um, and, and as good as he's been the first two seasons at Virginia, he's better this year. It's amazing. Yeah, he's like he's basically become a better version of uh, Sean Doolittle. I mean. Uh, he doesn't have the, he doesn't quite deliver the offense that Doolittle did in college, but 
again, we're talking about uh, two-way players uh, at Virginia who are both left-handers who also hit. You know, Doolittle made more of a – he made a lot more of an uh, impact with the bat over the At least course early of his, in his over career. The, say, over the course of his career, you, cumulatively, I would say, uh, you know, then, then Holton, he hit for more power, uh, at least a little bit more power because Holton doesn't hit home runs. But Danny Holton, yeah, he's doing it offensively this year too. Uh, I know he didn't have a great weekend this weekend, but he's, he's been an offensive player as well. Um, and then, you know, like you said, uh, like we talked about last week, or I guess it was last Sunday – where they hit their first home run, they got you know a little bit of a power surge this week. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a big weakness with the Cavaliers. Yeah, you're right, and and you know I I think that uh, I, I think they're they're you know they've proven that they're they're one of the best teams in the country once again. I think it's very impressive the way they've been able to reload, um, and and you know like we said, slide pieces into place, and they still haven't really. Uh, still haven't really had Stephen Bruno, their their projected starting shortstop, healthy. He's been sidelined with that hamstring injury, and when he gets back, I think they could be even better because Brian O'Connor really likes Stephen Bruno. Well, once again, the ACC's got a little bit of an imbalance. Not, you know, I don't think it's uh, as top heavy um, in one conference as the SEC is. The Coastal Division is good, but I don't think Georgia Tech, Virginia, and whoever you want to say the third team is right now. Miami's six and zero in the conference, and North Carolina's four and two. And North Carolina's ranked. Obviously, the Coastal's not as good as the SEC East, but uh, the, the Atlantic Division, Aaron, and the ACC. Uh, I'm kind of scratching my head about this. Uh, the, the, the the Atlantic Division. You have Florida State, which I think is having a great year. You know, tough series loss. Obviously, a tough week this week with those three one one losses. But Clemson three and three and a loss this week to Presbyterian. We dropped them in the rankings. Uh, basically for that loss. They did sweep Duke this weekend, and Duke is scrappy, so that's a good series. You know, Clemson held serve. Uh, but BC, Wake Forest, which won a series against North Carolina, but is not, I don't think we think is a very good team. Maryland, and then probably the biggest disappointment in the ACC, NC State, a team I really thought, I, I, was, I was higher on NC State than you were, I think, going into the season, but I really thought the Wolfpack were going to be a regional team for sure this year. And they have one winning weekend all all, all year. And this weekend, they just got dominated by Georgia Tech. You want to start off talking about the Yellow Jackets or the Wolfpack first? Well, we're talking about the Wolfpack, so let, let's talk about the Wolfpack. I mean, they, you know, they've been a huge disappointment. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I thought that uh, first of all that they would hit even with the new bats, maybe not for as much power as they have hit for, but uh, it seems like they're just they're struggling uh, to to adapt. You know, they they were a team that was kind of dependent on the long ball and and. Um, they haven't been able to to remake their identity. Um, it's 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 very concerning, you know. They just uh, um, they don't have other dimensions. And, and on the mound, I mean, they're just playing not good enough. You know, they've got Corey Mazzoni. He's pitched well. Uh, the rest of the staff just hasn't gotten it done. So yeah, this is not a regionals team. I mean, right now they they need to really get hot and and probably will need to make some noise in the ACC tournament. I mean, it's so early to talk about that, but right. I mean, they lost three straight series. They lost a, a series to Penn State, um, which you know, kudos to Penn State. I guess they they had a good weekend this weekend too. But a series NC State needs to win. Yeah, it's amazing to me that <laughs> NC State. You know, they've got a Friday guy in Mazzoni. They have a legit Friday guy who can go toe to toe with most you know really good Friday pitchers. Um, but their other next two pitchers are these guys who don't have good arms, who they don't even really like. Grant Sasser and Rob Chamra are not Tom Holliday's favorite pitchers. Tom wants power arms. Those guys are not power arms. Those are their next two best pitchers. And Sasser, you know, that was their problem last year. 
was their bullpen was one of their problems. And uh, Sasser was clearly their go-to guy last year, and that was he was the last guy they tried. And to their credit, they're giving him more opportunities this year. But you you got to score to get ahead to, to to you know to to bring him in. And right now they're just not scoring enough offensively. And I think uh, you know I thought and you thought like you said that there'd be a little bit more offense there. I, I agree with you. They're they're a little bit one-dimensional. They're, they don't run. Um, you know they don't uh, move runners consistently. And uh, they just got annihilated this weekend by uh, by Georgia Tech. Meanwhile, the Yellow Jackets, um, I think there's some caveats that we have to put in with the Yellow Jackets because of how young they are, but also because they, they played two road games all year and they were at Georgia Southern, uh, which they split those games. Um, they have not left uh, the state of Georgia, and their first two series were at home in the league against Maryland and NC State, two teams that are struggling. Maryland struggling from a talent level perspective, and NC State, as we just detailed, struggling in many uh, ways. But now they go on the road, and it's at Miami, which is, you know, always difficult to go play the Hurricanes on the road, but Miami's 12 and 8. Uh, you know, that's a winnable series. Then they're at Duke, uh, and then while they play Virginia after that, then it's at Wake Forest. It's a really backloaded uh, schedule for uh, Georgia Tech. They don't play Florida State uh, in the ACC this year. That's, the, that's who they miss. It really looks like Georgia Tech has a chance to really put up pretty a pretty gaudy record here, and this. This is the kind of team yeah. that, frankly, is setting up to have like a top eight national seed if they keep playing this well because they're going to win, and the schedule sets up pretty well for them. You're right, and the ACC, I, I down this year. You know, it's uh, I like Virginia and Florida State at the top. Clemson's got some serious question marks, you know, on the mound right now, especially. I mean, they finally got a quality start from Scott Firth on Sunday, but without Kevin Brady, who's going to be out a little bit longer than they originally thought. Um, you know, Clemson is, is I think, uh, it's got some, some real concerns, um, when it comes to pitching. So, you know, after that, I mean, I think clearly Miami is, they've rebounded nicely, but Miami is not an elite team. Um, you know, and, and I think the teams at the back are, are, are down a little bit, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Boston College. I mean, none of those teams, um, you know, even Duke is just scrappy, but not, not a regional caliber team. So yeah, I think Georgia Tech should be able to, uh, I mean, they're a lot better than most of the teams that are remaining on their schedule. You know, they're mostly just because of the pitching. Um, you know, I mean, we, <laughs> their pitching staff has been really, really, really good. Uh, and we thought that would be the strength of this team. But Mark Pope has been even better than you could possibly expect with his scoreless streak he's got going right now. Um, Jed Bradley, you know, it, it's, it's funny looking around the country how many good Saturday starters there are right now with Bradley and Trevor Bauer and Matt Barnes. I mean, all these All-American guys are happen to be pitching on Saturdays, but... Um, I don't see how much I don't see how that Matt Barnes Saturday thing can that how can that persist? I know we're getting off track here a little bit, but Elliot Glenn, own four, yeah. getting hit. I mean that you know, doesn't UConn have to say, Hey Elliot, let's move you to Sundays and see what happens and try to figure something out. I mean I don't know. I'm uh, Jim Pender knows his team better than I do, obviously, <laughs> but I mean I'd be a little concerned if I were a UConn fan if they kept on starting uh, Elliot Glenn on Friday. You, you can't if you, if you keep on doing the same thing and expecting different results. Uh, I don't think that's a good uh, strategy. But, but at the same time, you know, now that Barnes is, is in a groove on Saturdays, I mean, some guys. Uh, I mean, do, do you not want to mess with Barnes? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Uh, it's a it's a tough one. I, I probably would move him to Fridays. I think you want to ha- you want to start the weekend on your best foot. But uh, UConn is another story. I mean, they, you know, they obviously dropped out of our rankings this week, um, and and they. <laughs> You know, at this point, they've dug themselves into enough of a hole that they probably need to get the automatic bid if they're going to think about regionals. Because I don't think they've got enough. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll be able to recover from an RPI standpoint from this rough start. They're below 500 right now. 
I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. One thing I want to touch on with uh, with Georgia Tech, um, who was our number one ranked freshman class this year? I forget. It was Stanford? No. It was Stanford. It was Stanford. And, you know, Stanford, that's a whole other story. They haven't played for two weeks. I mean, uh, the weather obviously impacting them, but their their exam schedule and then the weather, moving, losing their series against Michigan this weekend, and to the weather, not losing the series, but uh, pretty tough to have a team that's 6-5 and five in our rankings. It feels like it's uh, before the uh, – Feels like they're Wichita State, and they didn't start the season until March, like things used to happen. You know, it's crazy. But but Georgia Tech, I think we knew they had a great freshman class. We knew they were going to rely a lot on freshmen. But three freshmen really stand out for me with them: Daniel Palka, who I think you had a great comp on him last week. I think it was in weekend preview. He's like Tony Plagman part two. You know, he's just another left-handed power bat, a thumper in the middle of their of their of their, uh, of their lineup. Like Tony Plagman, he's going to strike out a lot. He's aggressive. He doesn't walk a lot, but he's got power. Kyle Wren, uh, one of the two twin sons of Frank Wren, the Braves general manager, just having an unbelievable year. He might be one of the fastest players in college, bas- uh, college baseball. Uh, I, he might be one of the fastest players in college basketball if he played college basketball. But, uh, but And then uh, the third guy that really jumps out to me is Dusty Isaacs, uh, the kid out of Ohio. I believe he was a 20th-round pick of the Pirates. I know Jim Callis wrote him up in, uh, in Ohio. Uh, just a six-foot righty. But he has been money out of their bullpen, and their bullpen seems like it's just so deep, Aaron. Uh, they just have so many options. Uh, they obviously they like Luke Barr. They obviously like uh, if he, when he's healthy. They like Kevin Jacob. They're you know, working him back into shape, and they, you know they love the arm of DeAndre Smelter. They have so many options back there. Um, their pitching, like you said, we thought their pitching would be a strength, and so far it has been. It's uh, the Baseball America podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fit. And we have another Twitter question, um, but it was about Mark Pope. Um, we just were talking about Georgia Tech. What kind of draft prospect is uh, Mark Pope? And your in your take, I mean, I know he was touching ninety six at a high school. Um, what, what do you hear about Pope? Uh, just as far as his stuff has been this year, and what's been the key to his success? Well, you know, the, the guy. First of all, I think, I think he made big strides with his pitchability. You know, it's uh, he throws a lot of strikes. He throws four pitches for strikes, and, and he throws them in any count. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's not just a velocity guy and he does have good velocity. He'll run it up there to, you know, I mean, he kind of sits 88, 92 range. That's kind of where his comfort range right now. And I think he's, he's able to get, uh, to get out that way and not, not try to overthrow. Um, he does have a little two seamer run in there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good change up. It's, you know, it's made progress with that pitch. Um, he's 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 got a slider and a curveball. I mean, he's he's a four pitch guy, and uh, and he, and he's really working the zone and commanding everything well. It's it's it's, uh, it's impressive. It is impressive. I mean, just that level of consistency is uh, pretty mind boggling. Um, Aaron, talking about, I guess if, if you're looking for anybody who's had a better season than Pope, you have to go out west. It sounds like uh, to one of the new teams in our rankings this week. Uh, you know, meet the new teams. Kind of, you know, not 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 so much uh, unfamiliar names though. Uh, the O-State Ballers, uh, Oregon State, coming back into our rankings. They're at 23. We mentioned Auburn earlier. Uh, the Tigers jumped into our rankings at 22. We, you know, UConn was one of the teams that dropped out. We talked about them. College of Charleston, 15-6 uh, overall, but a 1-3 week in their own home tournament this week. Uh, see you later. Uh, let's talk about Oregon State, though, because it sounds like they have the only pitcher in the country with better numbers than Mark Pope, and that's Sam Gaviglio. I think he's been a favorite of ours for a couple years, Aaron, because this is a guy who came in and instantly bolted to the front of their rotation despite the presence of guys when he was healthy then. Josh Osich, who's back now. Uh, you know, Greg Peavy, uh, Kevin Roderick in their bullpen. Yeah, Robles. 
Tanner Robles, all those. I knew there was a there was a third tenor out there. Uh, but but here's Oregon State just uh, uh, losing a lot of talent and a lot of ballyhoo uh, ballyhooed players. But uh, you, know, you you got a chance to see the Beavers this weekend at Long Beach State. Uh, and, and I don't know if you saw Gaviglio, but uh, what's what's Oregon State doing to get back into our rankings? Well, I think they're really talented. You know, first of all, uh, very good in the mound. I mean, Gaviglio's been outstanding. You know, I mean, he's he's uh, we'll have more on him in, in Golden Spike Spotlight. But um, the guy can just really pitch. He's a dogged competitor with great command, and it's not overpowering stuff. It's you know, kind of a fringe average fastball on the pro scale. But um, but he puts it where he wants to, and uh, and you know, he's he's got uh, he's got a good slider and a, and a good change up and. Uh, and boy, he's just a, just a great competitor, you know. And, and uh, I saw Josh Osich on on Saturday, part of their doubleheader there, and um, he's a special arm, you know. He's getting it back. He's he's sitting 93, 95. He got up to 96, 97. Um, he's change up. He's throwing effectively. Still not really throwing breaking balls, but um, you know. And he's he's going to get stronger and stronger, and that's kind of a scary thought. Uh, but uh, they also, you know, they've got some thump in the middle of their lineup. I mean, Andrew Susak is having a great year, living up to his, his All-America billing. Um, and he hit a ball on, on Friday against Andrew, uh, Drew Gagneau that uh, might still be going. You know, he crushed it, and huh. this was a player field very often. Uh, and Danny Hayes hit one right after that, and boy, Danny Hayes can hit. You know, that's a guy that they brought in and expected a lot from. Um, you know, he's, he's a NorCal guy that uh, had a reputation as being just a you know natural-born hitter kind of a guy, and now he's doing that. He's giving Susak some protection in the middle of the lineup. Um, you know, I think I think Oregon State is uh, is athletic. You know, I like Jake Rodriguez. It's another guy that that's kind of a newcomer that uh, can hit a lot. Um, you know, Garrett Nash. They're, they're trying at the top of the lineup, and he brings some real athleticism. And, and Brian Stamps also right with him. Brian Stamps can really fly. I mean, that guy can run. They, they compare him to. A, you know, athletically to a Jacoby Ellsbury type. He's not he's not a, he's not the kind of hitter that Ellsbury is, but he's that kind of defender, uh, and, and he's got that kind of speed. So, um, you know, they've got a lot of different dimensions. I think they're talented. Um, they had a nice winning streak going until losing the final finale there against Long Beach. But, um, you know, they haven't played the, the greatest competition. But they did beat Oregon. They did beat UConn, and uh, and winning a series at Long Beach is is, is solid. And, and they're talented, so that's why they're in the rankings. And it really seems like again they have a lot of depth. I mean they got a nice senior uh, in, in James Nigren. Am I pronouncing his name right? Yeah. Nigren. Uh, he, he seems like he's a, a nice fallback guy. I mean they, he's not a guy they're necessarily counting on in the weekend rotation. I know he has started some games, um, but they just seem like they have a lot of options again. And I mean like uh, that just seems to me that's always a key if you're gonna have a long winning streak because you just can't rely on just your cluster of stars. You've got to have some depth. And Oregon State seems like they have some depth. Um, let's wrap up maybe a little bit of the podcast, uh, Aaron, talking a little bit about the, the Pac-10s as we're talking about Oregon State. Uh, we did not have – you have Stanford and UCLA that were both off this weekend. Um, but Cal with a big series uh, – with a series victory. I guess the other one is Arizona State is a team that we haven't talked maybe as much about this year. And yet uh, the Sun Devils, again, uh, they go and beat Oklahoma uh, twice this week in midweek. Uh, they're up to, what, number six or seven in our rankings? Uh, six. Up to number six in our rankings, um, you know, and they haven't, and they haven't done They haven't been as dominant as they were last year when they were just a machine um, and just steamrolled teams. But I know coming into the year we thought Arizona State was one of the best uh, lineups, if not the best lineup in the country. They threw two of their best arms against Oklahoma in Barrett, who had a career high eleven strikeouts, and then Brady Rogers coming back off of an injury 
uh, to win that midweek series. Now they're going to be tested again midweek with Fullerton. I think you can expect them to have Rodgers and Barrett on the mound again, and then they play Arizona and Oregon to start Pac-10 play. Uh, is Arizona State the favorite in the Pac-10 for you? A favorite? Uh, you know, who's the favorite in the Pac-10 at this at this juncture for you? I think coming into the year we thought it was UCLA. Who would you say it is now? Boy, it sure seems like Arizona State is almost favored by default in that league. They've just, you know, every year they're just a machine. They just win. Um, and they get into conference play and they get in these grooves, and it doesn't matter who else is good. You know, last year UCLA was really good, um, and they got that swept, I'm pretty sure, by Arizona State, and that was in the in, in LA. Um, so, you know, I, I think Arizona State is the favorite right now. They they they've got these guys that step forward for them on the mound. These kind of unheralded guys, like this year, this week it was Kramer uh, Kramer Champlin with uh, with a complete game on Friday, and then you know Kyle Audison again coming uh, giving them six strong innings. The left hander, a couple of junior college transfers. Um, you know it. it they need they need Brady Rogers to to return to form. I mean, he did pitch again on Sunday and didn't pitch so well. Um, he's you know I don't know that he's close to 100 percent yet, but we'll find out soon. But uh, I really love their lineup. I think they're so athletic. I I did think they were the best lineup in the country coming into the year. Um, maybe not the most powerful, but right. uh, but they don't. There's no let up in that lineup at all. You know, there's there is some power in the middle, but there's a lot of doubles and triples guys. They're so patient. Um, you know, and, and, and they really they really can grind out at bats like they always do. Um and, and they're explosive. They can they can score runs in, in bunches. Um although they haven't that hasn't really been the identity of this team this year, you know. I think they're 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 not blowing people out, which is interesting, but they are winning, that's for sure. And and uh um I think they made a statement by by sweeping Oklahoma midweek and uh um you know, I I look forward to seeing them this weekend uh, or this week rather at Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, I know that it's uh, you know it's kind of my shtick on the sh- on the show. You're the analyst. You're the you're the expert. My shtick is I'm good at looking crap up, you know, and uh, and quoting some stats. But to me, the fi- Arizona State's statistics really jump out to me, Aaron, because uh, you know last year Zach McPhee was captain extra base hit. This year he has three. Um, mm-hmm. You know they are, they are not a home run power team. I never think of them as a team that slugs a ton of home runs even with their ballpark. Uh, they do have nine home runs this year. That's that's pretty good. That's 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 in this day in this era, uh, that's pretty good. They have 41 steals, Aaron, and their opponents have two, yeah. two steals. And the thing is, to me, like you've written about a lot this year, speed translates on defense more than anything else in college baseball. Their speed's translating both offensively and defensively, and speed does not slump. If you're fast, you're always fast. The only way speed slumps is if you get hurt. Um, but Arizona State, to me, uh, has all the makings of a consistent team, and they still, to me, haven't gotten hot yet. They have not gotten really, uh, you know, going with the bats. I mean, I think that you know, McPhee and Zach Wilson, especially, are two guys that I expect to make a little bit more of an impact with the bat than they have. And that team also, I think you look out for one of the things you look at, uh, to me, when you're looking at stats, the strikeout-to-walk ratio for teams. Their strikeout-to-walk ratio is excellent on the mound, where they've almost got a strikeout an inning, and it's excellent at the plate. You put in the hit by pitches. They've actually reached more, have more hit by pitches and walks than they have strikeouts as an offense. So they're still an offensive team, but like you said, they haven't exploded yet. They really haven't uh, scored in, in big bunches yet. Um, I think they're a dangerous team. I think they are the favorite in the Pac-10, and uh, you know, I, I'm going to really, it's going to be fascinating to watch that that conference as those teams start getting going because you know can UCLA kind of get its act back together and start scoring. 
And we still don't know, I don't think, what kind of team Stanford has. Uh, they played three really tough weekends in a row, and now they haven't played for two weeks, and they're the hardest team to evaluate in the country. Anybody also, you do Under the Radar every week, Aaron, and I loved last week's Under the Radar with Seattle. Uh, it's always a part of weekend preview. Anybody out of the top 25, uh, I don't know if you want to talk anything about uh, the Troys or Southern Misses or the uh, uh, you know, Stetsons or East Carolina, some of those teams that were on the worksheet and uh, haven't quite gotten on. I, I've, I've had a chance to see ECU a little bit this year. It's just startling to see an East Carolina team where their identity is pitching and defense. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I expect to see when I see the Pirates. Uh, no. any, any of those off-the-radar teams uh, or off-the-top 25 teams, or is there an under-the-radar team maybe you wanted to bring up on the podcast? Well, you know, Texas State is the other team. If you're talking about teams that were in the top 25 discussion didn't quite crack it, um, you know, I, I like that team a lot. They're, 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 the, uh, they're the favorite right now in, in, the, in the Southland Conference. Um, they've swept two straight series against, you know, I think pretty good teams uh, in, in Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who, you know, that's, that's one of those teams we wrote about in, in Under the Radar a few weeks ago. That's uh, a team that it's an older team that thinks it, it thinks it's dangerous, thinks it can make it's poised to make a run this year, um, and they got swept by Texas State. And then um, Sam Houston State this week, it's another team that has had played pretty well this year. Um, Texas State has played some good midweek games. They do have a win against Baylor, uh, a couple of losses in there against Rice and Texas. But um, you know, you've, you've got a great ace in Carson Smith. Um, you've got a great table setter and Tyler Sibley has really, really taken a, a major step forward. He was already a good player, but he's just dynamic atop the lineup. Um, you know, they, they like Kyle Kubica, Austin's brother, another guy who's, who's, uh, who's gotten better this year. Um, I think Texas State's a team that could sneak its way into the top 25 here before long. Uh, you know, you were talking about Texas. Uh, maybe remind, remember that before we sign off on the podcast, we probably should talk about the one team that jumped up 13 spots in our rankings, Aaron. Yeah, let's <laughs> Texas, do that. Texas A&M, I don't know. Uh, that, that, that's how good I am at running this show. Um, but Texas A&M, uh, 21st in the rankings coming in, had played well, only one weekend series where they had not won the weekend. That was uh, when you saw them in person but down in uh, the, the Houston College Classic. But a solid series win against Florida International. Uh, you know, uh, series win against Gonzaga, uh, sweep of Lemoyne, and when they, you know, when you play Lemoyne early, you better dominate them, and they did. Um, but probably no team had as good of a week as Texas A&M, beating Fullerton in midweek, then winning a series at Oklahoma, which was our number three team. Uh, the Sooners are the reeling week, going one and four, losing those two midweek games in a state. But let's let's talk about the Aggies. We we knew, and you saw it in person, how how good they would pitch. Uh, but they got enough offense this weekend. Let's, let's focus on their pitching, though. What makes the Aggies so good on the mound, and what made us jump them 13 spots? Well, you know, they jumped 13 spots, I think, like you said, because they had a great week and, um, you know, better than any team out there except Florida. You know, you, you beat Fullerton midweek, shut them down, shut them out, and then you, uh, then you go on the road and beat uh, Oklahoma two out of three. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's a statement weekend. And, and um, yeah, this team's identity is pitching. It's really good. Um, we all know John Stilson and how good he is. He, you know, actually took a tough luck loss on on Friday against Michael Rocha, who's uh, Oklahoma's outstanding senior ace. But, um, you know, Michael Waka, written about uh, just a big horse strike throwing guy with a power fastball, um, good changeup. You know, he's he's been a really good for them on Saturdays. He's got a 0.75 ERA. And then you got Ross Stripling. Now they've moved kind of from the closer role into that Sunday role and. Um, he pitched very well on on Sunday this this week, and again he's another guy with a with a below one ERA, and he's he's got really good stuff, you know. And 
they do have depth on this staff too. I think that they could afford to to move Stripling into the rotation because they've got other guys in the bullpen, um, and they're starting to hit too. You know, and we're seeing Tyler Naquin um, take that step forward that uh, a lot of people thought he would take. You know, I, I know some scouts in, in Texas who love that guy. I think he's really an impact player um, because he can run, he can, you know, he can hit line drives. Um, he's a scrapper and he's got a cannon in the outfield, but he's hitting 392 now. You know, he's, he's kind of taking the lead of that offense. So, um, I think it's an athletic kind of offense. They're going to run a lot, um, with Cray Brasson, who's, who's obviously a speed guy. Um, and he's a top 200 guy for us uh, out of the draft last year as a freshman, but one of the fastest out there, um, you know, and, and, and then, you know, they still need some of their hitters to, to do better. Um, you know, they haven't gotten what they've wanted from Adam Smith in particular. I mean, that guy's really, really struggling. He's, he's talented and hasn't put it together yet. Um, and they've got a couple of guys like that that just haven't haven't hit like they want them to. But uh, but they're winning anyway, so, so give them credit. I mean, Colazzo and Smith are two guys, you know, those were kind of mainstays, it seemed like, uh, coming into the year and not hitting. Like you said, it seemed like they, you know, they're even expecting more out of, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Is it just Jingle, Matt Jingle? Yingle. Jingle, and he had a great weekend this weekend. He seems like he's kind of the, the the biggest bat in there, along with Tyler Naquin, as far as providing them some power. Um, but when you have that kind of pitching, Aaron, uh, and you have guys, you know, like you said, their depth. I mean, they have a guy like Nick Fleece, who I remember from a couple of years ago was kind of their closer or like a setup man slash closer. Then last year didn't play as big of a role. They've got him, uh, Joaquin Inahosa, who's a guy who's been more of a position player for them, who's pitched a lot of their bullpen this year. They, you know, they've, they've done a great job mixing and matching on the mound. They have that bullpen depth like we talked about with South Carolina last year, and they don't walk anybody. You know, they throw strikes. they got a 5-to-1 strike at the walk ratio right now as a staff. So that's going to keep you uh, in the hunt while you're figuring it out on offense. And it seems like uh, some of those guys like Smith and Colazzo are too good at college players, even with the bats, to struggle all year. So uh, and Texas A&M definitely thrusting themselves, I think, into the mix in the Big 12. And then they're another team where, you know, you're just looking at their schedule – and you're seeing that uh, you know, they started conference play with as difficult a series as anyone's going to have in the Big Ten, I mean, Big 12. To me, going on the road to Oklahoma is the toughest series in the Big 12 this year. And they win that series. Now they got Kansas at K-State, at Texas Tech. These are all winnable series uh, for yeah. them. I'm not saying they're easy or cakewalks. But these are all winnable series. They play Baylor. Two of those three are at home. You know, at home to Oklahoma State, at Missouri. I mean, you're just looking at it, home to Nebraska, and then they finish at Texas. It is there for A&M to win the vast majority of those series. And again, yeah. I'm just looking from a schedule standpoint, they're going to be they're going to be favored to win most of those series there, and they've got a shot. Now they've won this series. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but they have a shot to be a top eight national seed, as far as I see it. They played you know, a good they played a good enough non conference schedule, and the conference schedule sets up very well for them. You know, Oklahoma is the only team in that league that you think really might be able to put up some runs against A&M. And that's not to say that, you know, anything can happen any weekend, but none of those other teams are really offensive juggernauts. And, and this is a really great pitching staff that, that A&M has. And I think them and Texas are both going to win a lot of games because of their, their pitching staffs are just so much better than the other teams that they're going to be seeing in the Big 12. Um, you know, that yeah, you have to wonder, is Oklahoma, now all of a sudden you have to wonder, is Oklahoma built to win in the Big 12 where these other teams are? Because... They don't have the elite pitching that A&M and Texas have. Yeah, and, and they have, they started a freshman. They had two guys this weekend. I forget the left-hander's name, and then Bert Smith, both making Dylan their Overton. first. Dylan Overton, 
both making their first conference starts, and neither one got out of the fourth inning. And then, uh, like you like you noted in the top twenty-five tracker, you know, Bobby Shore was a senior, obviously with a JUCO transfer, but he was you know went through all this last year, and they can't get him right, and they need to get. It looks like they need to get him right, and like you said, they're built more for offense. And boy, Texas can pitch, A and M can pitch, uh, you know, all the, the the top team, even you know Oklahoma State can pitch a little bit. K-State, we know that they know how to assemble a pitching staff and mix and match. Baylor has arms. Well, you know, it does make you, Yeah, Nebraska, absolutely. It really makes you wonder, like you said, uh, Oklahoma better hit because their pitching looks – even though I think they're the best team in the Big 12, uh, I still think that. Uh, you know, their pitching is middle of the pack in the Big 12. Yeah. So that's that's a big question. I think that's a great point, Aaron. Uh, good note to end on. We had good uh, good questions on the uh, on Twitter at Baseball America, at Aaron Fit, at John Manuel B A. If you want to follow us, um, or you can send those questions to us for next week's podcast to podcast at baseballamerica.com. If you want to use good old fashioned twentieth century email, Aaron. But we're all about the twenty first century here. You post them on our Facebook page, or tweet us, uh, or of course if you email them to us, uh, we'll get to those as well. Aaron, where will you be next weekend? Uh, now that you're uh, Who's, who's in SoCal that you're going to see next weekend, you think? You know, it's it's a quieter weekend finally out here. I might try to see uh, uh, the Saturday UCLA-USC game, Trevor Bauer against Austin Wood. But other than that, uh, uh, it, it's uh, not not as much going on finally, so a little bit of a breather out here. Always enjoy talking college baseball with you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time, and thank you guys for listening to the download. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.